section six of shirley by charlotte bronte this librivox recording is in the public domain chapter six coriolanus mademoiselle moore had that morning a somewhat absent-minded pupil caroline forgot again and again the explanations which were given to her however she still bore with unclouded mood the chidings her inattention brought upon her sitting in the sunshine near the window she seemed to receive with its warmth a kind influence which made her both happy and good thus disposed she looked her best and her best was a pleasing vision to her had not been denied the gift of beauty it was not absolutely necessary to know her in order to like her she was fair enough to please even at the first view her shape suited her age it was girlish light and pliant every curve was neat every limb proportionate her face was expressive and gentle her eyes were handsome and gifted at times with a winning beam that stole into the heart with a language that spoke softly to the affections her mouth was very pretty she had a delicate skin and a fine flow of brown hair which she knew how to arrange with taste curls became her and she possessed them in picturesque profusion her style of dress announced taste in the wearer very unobtrusive in fashion far from costly in material but suitable in colour to the fair complexion with which it contrasted and in make to the slight form which it draped her present winter garb was a merino the same soft shade of brown as her hair the little collar round her neck lay over a pink ribbon and was fastened with a pink knot she wore no other decoration so much for caroline hellstone's appearance as to her character or intellect if she had any they must speak for themselves in due time her connections are soon explained she was the child of parents separated soon after her birth in consequence of disagreement of disposition her mother was the half-sister of mr moore's father thus though there was no mixture of blood she was in a distant sense the cousin of robert lewis and hortense her father was the brother of mr hellstone a man of the character friends desire not to recall after death has once settled all earthly accounts he had rendered his wife unhappy the reports which were known to be true concerning him had given an air of probability to those which were falsely circulated respecting his better principled brother caroline had never known her mother as she was taken from her in infancy and had not since seen her her father died comparatively young and her uncle the rector had for some years been her sole guardian he was not as we are aware much adapted either by nature or habits to have the charge of a 
young girl he had taken little trouble about her education probably he would have taken none if she finding herself neglected had not grown anxious on her own account and asked every now and then for a little attention and for the means of acquiring such amount of knowledge as could not be dispensed with still she had a depressing feeling that she was inferior that her attainments were fewer than were usually possessed by girls of her age and station and very glad was she to avail herself of the kind offer made by her cousin hortense soon after the arrival of the latter at hollows mill to teach her french and fine needlework mademoiselle more for her part delighted in the task because it gave her importance she liked to lord it a little over a docile yet quick pupil she took caroline precisely at her own estimate as an irregularly taught even ignorant girl and when she found that she made rapid and eager progress it was to no talent no application in the scholar she ascribed the improvement but entirely to her own superior method of teaching when she found that caroline unskilled in routine had a knowledge of her own desultory but varied the discovery caused her no surprise for she still imagined that from her conversation had the girl unawares gleaned these treasures she thought it even when forced to feel that her pupil knew much on subjects whereof she knew little the idea was not logical but hortense had perfect faith in it mademoiselle who prided herself on possessing un esprit positif and on entertaining a decided preference for dry studies kept her young cousin to the same as closely as she could she worked her unrelentingly at the grammar of the french language assigning her as the most improving exercise she could devise interminable analyses logiques these analyses were by no means a source of particular pleasure to caroline she thought she could have learned french just as well without them and grudged excessively the time spent in pondering over proposition principal et incident in deciding the incident determinatif and the incident applicatif in examining whether the proposition was plein elliptique or implicite sometimes she lost herself in the maze and when so lost she would now and then while hortense was rummaging her drawers upstairs an unaccountable occupation in which she spent a large portion of each day arranging disarranging rearranging and counter-arranging carry her book to robert in the counting-house and get the rough place made smooth by his aid mr moore possessed a clear tranquil brain of his own almost as soon as he looked at caroline's little difficulties they seemed to dissolve beneath his eye in two minutes he would explain all in two words give the key to the puzzle she thought if hortense could only teach like him how much faster she might learn repaying him by an admiring and grateful smile rather shed at his feet than lifted to his face 
she would leave the mill reluctantly to go back to the cottage and then while she completed the exercise or worked out the sum for mademoiselle moore taught her arithmetic too she would wish nature had made her a boy instead of a girl that she might ask robert to let her be his clerk and sit with him in the counting-house instead of sitting with hortense in the parlour occasionally but this happened very rarely she spent the evening at hollow's cottage sometimes during these visits moore was away attending a market sometimes he was gone to mr york's often he was engaged with a male visitor in another room but sometimes too he was at home disengaged free to talk with caroline when this was the case the evening hours passed on wings of light they were gone before they were counted there was no room in england so pleasant as that small parlour when the three cousins occupied it hortense when she was not teaching or scolding or cooking was far from ill-humoured it was her custom to relax towards evening and to be kind to her young english kinswoman there was a means too of rendering her delightful by inducing her to take her guitar and sing and play she then became quite good-natured and as she played with skill and had a well-toned voice it was not disagreeable to listen to her it would have been absolutely agreeable except that her formal and self-important character modulated her strains as it impressed her manners and moulded her countenance mr moore released from the business yoke was if not lively himself a willing spectator of caroline's liveliness a complacent listener to her talk a ready respondent to her questions he was something agreeable to sit near to hover round to address and look at sometimes he was better than this almost animated quite gentle and friendly the drawback was that by the next morning he was sure to be frozen up again and however much he seemed in his quiet way to enjoy these social evenings he rarely contrived their recurrence this circumstance puzzled the inexperienced head of his cousin if i had a means of happiness at my command she thought i would employ that means often i would keep it bright with use and not let it lie for weeks aside till it gets rusty yet she was careful not to put in practice her own theory much as she liked an evening visit to the cottage she never paid one unasked often indeed when pressed by hortense to come she would refuse because robert did not second or but slightly seconded the request this morning was the first time he had ever of his own unprompted will given her an invitation and then he had spoken so kindly that in hearing him she had received a sense of happiness sufficient to keep her glad for the whole day the morning passed as usual mademoiselle ever breathlessly busy spent it in bustling from kitchen to parlour now scolding sarah now looking over caroline's exercise or hearing her repetition lesson however faultlessly these tasks were achieved she never commended it was a maxim with her that praise is inconsistent with the teacher's dignity and that blame in more or less unqualified measure is indispensable to it she thought incessant reprimand severe or slight quite necessary to the maintenance of her authority and if no possible error was to be found in the lesson 
it was the pupil's carriage or air or dress or mien which required correction the usual affray took place about the dinner which meal when sarah at last brought it into the room she almost flung upon the table with a look that expressed quite plainly i never dished such stuff in my life afore it's not fit for dogs notwithstanding sarah's scorn it was a savoury repast enough the soup was a sort of puree of dried peas which mademoiselle had prepared amidst bitter lamentations that in this desolate country of england no haricot beans were to be had then came a dish of meat nature unknown but supposed to be miscellaneous singularly chopped up with crumbs of bread seasoned uniquely though not unpleasantly and baked in a mould a queer but by no means unpalatable dish greens oddly bruised formed the accompanying vegetable and a pate of fruit conserved after a recipe devised by madame gerard moore's grand mere and from the taste of which it appeared probable that melasse had been substituted for sugar completed the dinner caroline had no objection to this belgian cookery indeed she rather liked it for a change and it was well she did so for had she evinced any disrelish thereof such manifestation would have injured her in mademoiselle's good graces for ever a positive crime might have been more easily pardoned than a symptom of distaste for the foreign comestibles soon after dinner caroline coaxed her governess cousin upstairs to dress this manoeuvre required management to have hinted that the jupon camisole and curl-papers were odious objects or indeed other than quite meritorious points would have been a felony any premature attempt to urge their disappearance was therefore unwise and would be likely to issue in the persevering wear of them during the whole day carefully avoiding rocks and quicksands however the pupil on pretence of requiring a change of scene contrived to get the teacher aloft and once in the bedroom she persuaded her that it was not worth while returning thither and that she might as well make her toilet now and while mademoiselle delivered a solemn homily on her own surpassing merit in disregarding all frivolities of fashion caroline denuded her of the camisole invested her with a decent gown arranged her collar hair etc and made her quite presentable but hortense would put the finishing touches herself and these finishing touches consisted in a thick handkerchief tied round the throat and a large servant-like black apron which spoiled everything on no account would mademoiselle have appeared in her own house without the thick handkerchief and the voluminous apron the first was a positive matter of morality it was quite improper not to wear a fichu the second was the ensign of a good housewife she appeared to think that by means of it she somehow effected a large saving in her brother's income she had with her own hands made and presented to caroline similar equipments and the only serious quarrel they had ever had and which still left a soreness in the elder cousin's soul had arisen from the refusal of the younger one to accept of and profit by these elegant presents i wear a high dress and a collar said caroline and i should feel suffocated with a handkerchief in addition and my short aprons do quite as well as that very long one i would rather make no change 
yet hortense by dint of perseverance would probably have compelled her to make a change had not mr moore chanced to overhear a dispute on the subject and decided that caroline's little aprons would suffice and that in his opinion as she was still but a child she might for the present dispense with the fichu especially as her curls were long and almost touched her shoulders there was no appeal against robert's opinion therefore his sister was compelled to yield but she disapproved entirely of the piquant neatness of caroline's costume and the ladylike grace of her appearance something more solid and homely she would have considered beaucoup plus convenable the afternoon was devoted to sewing mademoiselle like most belgian ladies was specially skilful with her needle she by no means thought it waste of time to devote unnumbered hours to fine embroidery sight-destroying lace-work marvellous netting and knitting and above all to most elaborate stocking mending she would give a day to the mending of two holes in a stocking any time and think her mission nobly fulfilled when she had accomplished it it was another of caroline's troubles to be condemned to learn this foreign style of darning which was done stitch by stitch so as exactly to imitate the fabric of the stocking itself a wearyful process but considered by hortense gerard and by her ancestresses before her for long generations back as one of the first duties of a woman she herself had had a needle cotton and a fearfully torn stocking put into her hand while she yet wore a child's coif on her little black head her haute faith in the darning line had been exhibited to company ere she was six years old and when she first discovered that caroline was profoundly ignorant of this most essential of attainments she could have wept with pity over her miserably neglected youth no time did she lose in seeking up a hopeless pair of hose of which the heels were entirely gone and in setting the ignorant english girl to repair the deficiency this task had been commenced two years ago and caroline had the stockings in her work bag yet she did a few rows every day by way of penance for the expiation of her sins they were a grievous burden to her she would much have liked to put them in the fire and once mr moore who had observed her sitting and sighing over them had proposed a private incremation in the counting-house but to this proposal caroline knew it would have been impolitic to accede the result could only be a fresh pair of hose probably in worse condition she adhered therefore to the ills she knew all the afternoon the two ladies sat and sewed till the eyes and fingers and even the spirits of one of them were weary the sky since dinner had darkened it had begun to rain again too poor fast secret fears began to steal on caroline that robert would be persuaded by mr sykes or mr york to remain at winbury till it cleared and of that there appeared no present chance five o'clock struck and time stole on still the clouds streamed a sighing wind whispered in the roof-trees of the cottage day seemed already closing the parlour fire shed on the clear hearth a glow ruddy as at twilight it will not be fair till the moon rises pronounced mademoiselle moore 
consequently i feel assured that my brother will not return till then indeed i should be sorry if he did we will have coffee it would be vain to wait for him i am tired may i leave my work now cousin you may since it grows too dark to see to do it well fold it up put it carefully in your bag then step into the kitchen and desire sarah to bring in the good tea or tea as you call it but it has not yet struck six he may still come he will not i tell you i can calculate his movements i understand my brother suspense is irksome disappointment bitter all the world has some time or other felt that caroline obedient to orders passed into the kitchen sarah was making a dress for herself at the table you are to bring in coffee said the young lady in a spiritless tone and then she leaned her arm and head against the kitchen mantelpiece and hung listlessly over the fire how low you seem miss but it's all because your cousin keeps you so close to work it's a shame nothing of the kind sarah was the brief reply oh but i know it is you're fit to cry just this minute for nothing else but because you've sat still the whole day it would make a kitten dull to be mewed up so sarah does your master often come home early from market when it is wet never hardly but just to-day for some reason he has made a difference what do you mean he is come i'm certain i saw murgatroyd lead his horse into the yard by the back way when i went to get some water at the pump five minutes since he was in the counting-house with joe scott i believe you are mistaken what should i be mistaken for i know his horse surely but you did not see himself i heard him speak though he was saying something to joe scott about having settled all concerning ways and means and that there would be a new set of frames in the mill before another week passed and that this time he would get four soldiers from stillbro barracks to guard the wagon sarah are you making a gown yes is it a handsome one beautiful get the coffee ready i'll finish cutting out that sleeve for you and i'll give you some trimming for it i have some narrow satin ribbon of a colour that will just match it you're very kind miss be quick there's a good girl but first put your master's shoes on the hearth he will take his boots off when he comes in i hear him he is coming you are cutting the stuff wrong so i am but it is only a snip there is no harm done the kitchen door opened mr moore entered very wet and cold caroline half turned from her dressmaking occupation but renewed it for a moment as if to gain a minute's time for some purpose bent over the dress her face was hidden there was an attempt to settle her features and veil their expression which failed when she had last met mr moore her countenance beamed we had ceased to expect you they asserted you would not come she said but i promised to return soon you expected me i suppose no robert i dared not when it rained so fast and you are wet and chilled change everything if you took cold i should we should blame ourselves in some measure i am not wet through my riding-coat is waterproof dry shoes are all i require there the fire is pleasant after facing the cold wind and rain for a few miles he stood on the kitchen hearth caroline stood beside him 
mr moore while enjoying the genial glow kept his eyes directed towards the glittering brasses on the shelf above chancing for an instant to look down his glance rested on an uplifted face flushed smiling happy shaded with silky curls lit with fine eyes sarah was gone into the parlour with the tray a lecture from her mistress detained her there moore placed his hand a moment on his young cousin's shoulder stooped and left a kiss on her forehead oh said she as if the action had unsealed her lips i was miserable when i thought you would not come i'm almost too happy now are you happy robert do you like to come home i think i do to-night at least are you certain you are not fretting about your frames and your business and the war not just now are you positive you don't feel hollow's cottage too small for you and narrow and dismal at this moment no can you affirm that you are not bitter at heart because rich and great people forget you no more questions you are mistaken if you think i am anxious to curry favour with rich and great people i only want means a position a career which your own talent and goodness shall win you you were made to be great you shall be great i wonder now if you spoke honestly out of your heart what recipe you would give me for acquiring this same greatness but i know it better than you know it yourself would it be efficacious would it work yes poverty misery bankruptcy oh life is not what you think it lena but you are what i think you i am not you are better then far worse no far better i know you are good how do you know it you look so and i feel you are so where do you feel it in my heart ah you judge me with your heart lena you should judge me with your head i do and then i am quite proud of you robert you cannot tell all my thoughts about you mr moore's dark face mustard colour his lips smiled and yet were compressed his eyes laughed and yet he resolutely knit his brow think meanly of me lena said he men in general are a sort of scum very different to anything of which you have an idea i make no pretension to be better than my fellows if you did i should not esteem you so much it is because you are modest that i have such confidence in your merit are you flattering me he demanded turning sharply upon her and searching her face with an eye of acute penetration no she said softly laughing at his sudden quickness she seemed to think it unnecessary to proffer any eager disavowal of the charge you don't care whether i think you flatter me or not no you are so secure of your own intentions i suppose so what are they caroline only to ease my mind by expressing for once part of what i think and then to make you better satisfied with yourself by assuring me that my kinswoman is my sincere friend just so i am your sincere friend robert and i am what chance and change shall make me lena not my enemy however the answer was cut short by sarah and her mistress entering the kitchen together in some commotion they had been improving the time which mr moore and miss hellstone had spent in dialogue by a short dispute on the subject of cafe au lait 
which sarah said was the queerest mess she ever saw and a waste of god's good gifts as it was the nature of coffee to be boiled in water and which mademoiselle affirmed to be un breuvage royal a thousand times too good for the mean person who objected to it the former occupants of the kitchen now withdrew into the parlour before hortense followed them thither caroline had only time again to question not my enemy robert and more quaker-like had replied with another query could i be and then seating himself at the table had settled caroline at his side caroline scarcely heard mademoiselle's explosion of wrath when she rejoined them the long declamation about the conduit indigne de cette méchante créature sounded in her ear as confusedly as the agitated rattling of the china robert laughed a little at it in very subdued sort and then politely and calmly entreating his sister to be tranquil assured her that if it would yield her any satisfaction she should have her choice of an attendant amongst all the girls in his mill only he feared they would scarcely suit her as they were most of them he was informed completely ignorant of household work and pert and self-willed as sarah was she was perhaps no worse than the majority of the women of her class mademoiselle admitted the truth of this conjecture according to her ces paysans anglaises étaient tout insupportables what would she not give for some bon cuisinière anversoise with the high cap short petticoat and decent sabot proper to her class something better indeed than an insolent coquette in a flounced gown and absolutely without cap for sarah it appears did not partake the opinion of st paul that it is a shame for a woman to go with her head uncovered but holding rather a contrary doctrine resolutely refused to imprison in linen or muslin the plentiful tresses of her yellow hair which it was her wont to fasten up smartly with a comb behind and on sundays to wear curled in front shall i try and get you an antwerp girl asked mr moore who stern in public was on the whole very kind in private merci du cadeau was the answer an antwerp girl would not stay here ten days sneered at as she would be by all the young coquins in your factory then softening you are very good dear brother excuse my petulance but truly my domestic trials are severe yet they are probably my destiny for i recollect that our revered mother experienced similar sufferings though she had the choice of all the best servants in antwerp domestics are in all countries a spoiled and unruly set mr moore had also certain reminiscences about the trials of his revered mother a good mother she had been to him and he honoured her memory but he recollected that she kept a hot kitchen of it in antwerp just as his faithful sister did here in england thus therefore he let the subject drop and when the coffee service was removed proceeded to console hortense by fetching her music-book and guitar and having arranged the ribbon of the instrument round her neck with a quiet fraternal kindness he knew to be all-powerful in soothing her most ruffled moods he asked her to give him some of their mother's favourite songs nothing refines like affection family jarring vulgarizes family union elevates hortense pleased with her brother and grateful to him looked as she touched her guitar almost graceful almost handsome her everyday fretful look was gone for a moment and was replaced by a sourire plein de bonté she sang the songs he asked for with feeling they reminded her of a parent to whom she had been truly attached they reminded her of her young days 
she observed too that caroline listened with naive interest this augmented her good-humour and the exclamation at the close of the song i wish i could sing and play like hortense achieved the business and rendered her charming for the evening it is true a little lecture to caroline followed on the vanity of wishing and the duty of trying as rome it was suggested had not been built in a day so neither had mademoiselle gerard moore's education been completed in a week or by merely wishing to be clever it was effort that had accomplished that great work she was ever remarkable for her perseverance for her industry her masters had remarked that it was as delightful as it was uncommon to find so much talent united with so much solidity and so on once on the theme of her own merits mademoiselle was fluent cradled at last in blissful self-complacency she took her knitting and sat down tranquil drawn curtains a clear fire a softly shining lamp gave now to the little parlour its best its evening charm it is probable that the three there present felt this charm they all looked happy what shall we do now caroline asked mr moore returning to his seat beside his cousin what shall we do robert repeated she playfully you decide not play at chess no nor draughts nor backgammon no no we both hate silent games that only keep one's hands employed don't we i believe we do then shall we talk scandal about whom are we sufficiently interested in anybody to take a pleasure in pulling their character to pieces a question that comes to the point for my part unamiable as it sounds i must say no and i too but it is strange though we want no third fourth i mean she hastily and with contrition glanced at hortense living person among us so selfish we are in our happiness though we don't want to think of the present existing world it would be pleasant to go back to the past to hear people that have slept for generations in graves that are perhaps no longer graves now but gardens and fields speak to us and tell us their thoughts and impart their ideas who shall be the speaker what language shall he utter french your french forefathers don't speak so sweetly nor so solemnly nor so impressively as your english ancestors robert to-night you shall be entirely english you shall read an english book an old english book yes an old english book one that you like and i will choose a part of it that is toned quite in harmony with something in you it shall awaken your nature fill your mind with music it shall pass like a skilful hand over your heart and make its strings sound your heart is a lyre robert but the lot of your life has not been a minstrel to sweep it and it is often silent let glorious william come near and touch it you will see how he will draw the english power and melody out of its chords i must read shakespeare you must have his spirit before you you must hear his voice with your mind's ear you must take some of his soul into yours with a view to making me better is it to operate like a sermon it is to stir you to give you new sensations it is to make you feel your life strongly not only your virtues but your vicious perverse points d'ailleurs que dit-elle cried hortense who hitherto had been counting stitches in her knitting and had not much attended to what was said but whose ear these two strong words caught with a tweak never mind her sister let her talk now just let her say anything she pleases to-night she likes to come down hard upon your brother sometimes it amuses me so let her alone 
caroline who mounted on a chair had been rummaging the bookcase returned with a book here's shakespeare she said and there's coriolanus now read and discover by the feelings the reading will give you at once how low and how high you are come then sit near me and correct when i mispronounce i am to be the teacher then and you my pupil ainsi soit-il and shakespeare is our science since we are going to study it appears so and you are not going to be french and sceptical and sneering you are not going to think it is a sign of wisdom to refuse to admire i don't know if you do robert i'll take shakespeare away and i'll shrivel up within myself and put on my bonnet and go home sit down here i begin one minute if you please brother interrupted mademoiselle when the gentleman of a family reads the ladies should always sew caroline dear child take your embroidery you may get three sprigs done to-night caroline looked dismayed i can't see by lamplight my eyes are tired and i can't do two things well at once if i sew i cannot listen if i listen i cannot sew fai donc quel enfantillage began hortense mr moore as usual suavely interposed permit her to neglect the embroidery for this evening i wish her whole attention to be fixed on my accent and to ensure this she must follow the reading with her eyes she must look at the book he placed it between them reposed his arm on the back of caroline's chair and thus began to read the very first scene in coriolanus came with smart relish to his intellectual palate and still as he read he warmed he delivered the haughty speech of caius marcius to the starving citizens with unction he did not say he thought his irrational pride right but he seemed to feel it so caroline looked up at him with a singular smile there's a vicious point hit already she said you sympathize with that proud patrician who does not sympathize with his famished fellow-men and insults them there go on he proceeded the warlike portions did not rouse him much he said all that was out of date or should be the spirit displayed was barbarous yet the encounter single-handed between marcius and tullus aufidius he delighted in as he advanced he forgot to criticise it was evident he appreciated the power the truth of each portion and stepping out of the narrow line of private prejudices began to revel in the large picture of human nature to feel the reality stamped upon the characters who were speaking from that page before him he did not read the comic scenes well and caroline taking the book out of his hand read these parts for him from her he seemed to enjoy them and indeed she gave them with a spirit no one could have expected of her with a pithy expression with which she seemed gifted on the spot and for that brief moment only it may be remarked in passing that the general character of her conversation that evening whether serious or sprightly grave or gay was as of something untaught unstudied intuitive fitful when once gone no more to be reproduced as it had been than the glancing ray of the meteor than the tints of the dew gem than the colour or form of the sunset cloud than the fleeting and glittering ripple varying the flow of a rivulet coriolanus in glory coriolanus in disaster coriolanus banished followed like giant shades one after the other before the vision of the banished man moore's spirit seemed to pause he stood on the hearth of 
alphidius's hall facing the image of greatness fallen but greater than ever in that low estate he saw the grim appearance the dark face bearing command in it the noble vessel with its tackle torn with the revenge of caius marcius more perfectly sympathized he was not scandalized by it and again caroline whispered there i see another glimpse of brotherhood in error the march on rome the mother's supplication the long resistance the final yielding of bad passions to good whichever must be the case in a nature worthy the epithet of noble the rage of aufidius at what he considered his ally's weakness the death of coriolanus the final sorrow of his great enemy all scenes made of condensed truth and strength came on in succession and carried with them in their deep fast flow the heart and mind of reader and listener now have you felt shakespeare asked caroline some ten minutes after her cousin had closed the book i think so and have you felt anything in coriolanus like you perhaps i have was he not faulty as well as great moore nodded and what was his fault what made him hated by the citizen what caused him to be banished by his countrymen what do you think it was i ask again whether was it pride which out of daily fortune ever taints the happy man whether defective judgment to fail in the disposing of those chances which he was lord of or whether nature not to be other than one thing not moving from the cask to the cushion but commanding peace even with the same austerity and garb as he controlled the war well answer yourself sphinx it was a spice of all and you must not be proud to your work people you must not neglect chances of soothing them and you must not be of an inflexible nature uttering a request as austerely as if it were a command that is the moral you tack to the play what puts such notions into your head a wish for your good a care for your safety dear robert and a fear caused by many things which i have heard lately that you will come to harm who tells you these things i hear my uncle talk about you he praises your hard spirit your determined cast of mind your scorn of low enemies your resolution not to truckle to the mob as he says and would you have me truckle to them no not for the world i never wish you to lower yourself but somehow i cannot help thinking it unjust to include all poor working people under the general and insulting name of the mob and continually to think of them and treat them haughtily you are a little democrat caroline if your uncle knew what would he say i rarely talk to my uncle as you know and never about such things he thinks everything but sewing and cooking above women's comprehension and out of their line and do you fancy you comprehend the subjects on which you advise me as far as they concern you i comprehend them i know it would be better for you to be loved by your work-people than to be hated by them and i am sure that kindness is more likely to win their regard than pride if you were proud and cold to me and hortense should we love you when you are cold to me as you are sometimes can i venture to be affectionate in return now lena i've had my lesson both in languages and ethics with a touch on politics it is your turn hortense tells me you were much taken by a little piece of poetry you learned the other day a piece by poor 
andre chenier la jeune captive do you remember it still i think so repeat it then take your time and mind your accent especially let us have no english use caroline beginning in a low rather tremulous voice but gaining courage as she proceeded repeated the sweet verses of chenier the last three stanzas she rehearsed well mon beau voyage encore et si loin de sa fin je pars et désormais qui borde le chemin j'ai passé le premier à peine au banquet de la vie à peine commencé en instant seulement mes lèvres ont pressé la coupe en mes mains encore pleine je ne suis qu'au printemps je veux voir la moisson et comme le soleil de saison en saison je veux achever mon armée brillant sur ma tige et l'honneur du jardin je n'ai vu luire encore que les feux du matin je veux achever ma journée moore listened at first with his eyes cast down but soon he furtively raised them leaning back in his chair he could watch caroline without her perceiving where his gaze was fixed her cheek had a colour her eyes a light her countenance an expression this evening which would have made even plain features striking but there was not the grievous defect of plainness to pardon in her case the sunshine was not shed on rough barrenness it fell on soft bloom each lineament was turned with grace the whole aspect was pleasing at the present moment animated interested touched she might be called beautiful such a face was calculated to awaken not only the calm sentiment of esteem the distant one of admiration but some feeling more tender genial intimate friendship perhaps affection interest when she had finished she turned to moore and met his eye is that pretty well repeated she inquired smiling like any happy docile child i really don't know why don't you know have you not listened yes and looked you are fond of poetry lena when i meet with real poetry i cannot rest till i have learned it by heart and so made it partly mine mr moore now sat silent for several minutes it struck nine o'clock sarah entered and said that mr hellstone's servant was come for miss caroline then the evening is gone already she observed and it will be long i suppose before i pass another here hortense had been for some time nodding over her knitting fallen into a doze now she made no response to the remark you would have no objection to come here oftener of an evening inquired robert as he took her folded mantle from the side-table where it still lay carefully wrapped it round her i like to come here but i have no desire to be intrusive i'm not hinting to be asked you must understand that oh i understand thee child you sometimes lecture me for wishing to be rich lena but if i were rich you should live here always at any rate you should live with me wherever my habitation might be that would be pleasant and if you were poor ever so poor it would still be pleasant good-night robert i promised to walk with you up to the rectory i know you did but i thought you had forgotten and i hardly knew how to remind you though i wished to do it but would you like to go it is a cold night and as fanny is come there is no necessity here is your muff don't wake hortense come the half-mile to the rectory 
was soon traversed they parted in the garden without kiss scarcely with a pressure of hands yet robert sent his cousin in excited and joyously troubled he had been singularly kind to her that day not in phrase compliment profession but in manner in look and in soft and friendly tones for himself he came home grave almost morose as he stood leaning on his own yard-gate musing in the watery moonlight all alone the hushed dark mill before him the hill environed hollow round he exclaimed abruptly this won't do there's weakness there's downright ruin in all this however he added dropping his voice the frenzy is quite temporary i know it very well i have had it before it will be gone to-morrow end of section six